Good afternoon, my friends. The doctor's in the house. Welcome back to another episode of To Your Health with Dr. G. Happy Wednesday, everyone. You're checking us out here at Intellectual Radio Studios Live, also on Facebook Live. My name is Dr. Mark Gomez, and I'm a board-certified internal medicine physician practicing out of Edward Hospital in Naperville and Bolingbrook, Illinois. So happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. Today, we're going to talk about an, a theme that just sits home with me. I love talking about fitness because it's really part of your foundation of health. And so we're going to talk about it today, but we're going to talk about it from a different lens. Yes, we're going to talk about exercises and the importance of doing healthy behaviors so you don't get, uh, so, so you don't get chronic medical disease to burden, so you lower your risk for certain diseases, such as heart disease, diabetes, stroke, and even certain cancers. But really, we're talking about it more through the, the, through the lens of a couple of my esteemed guests today. We're talking about it basically through a therapy, a training-type perspective that, again, represents a foundation for your collective health success. So the title of today's show is Fresh Approaches to Athletic Training. Love it. Sports, mm-hmm. exercise, movement, you know, being blessed to move, being blessed to have that purpose and to succeed in your health, in your life, and with your family. It's so, certain that, something that we don't want to take for granted. We don't ever want to take for granted. But again, your health journey is part of your life journey, and everybody has a story to tell. So again, I'm so excited to welcome everybody back. Those that are new to us, uh, again, we welcome you. Uh, each week I gather a group of my local esteemed experts, and we talk about a health topic. And for those of you that have been watching us before and sticking with our program, we welcome you back, and we're excited to bring you some amazing content today. Again, my name is Dr. Mark Gomez. You can check me out at my website, www.drmarkgomez.com. Also, my handles on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook are To Your Health, Dr. G. Again, we're broadcasting live here on Intellectual Radio. Just excited to be here. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to our Goal Level sponsor today, Good Samaritan Health and Wellness Center. Check them out at www.drmarkgomez.com advocatehealth.com slash gsam slash fitness. Now again, before we talk about uh, the fresh approaches to training, I want to hit you guys with a disclaimer, of course. Again, this is a show, and I'm a doctor. (laughs) All right, so here we go. Quick disclaimer. The content of To Your Health with Dr. G is for informational and entertainment purposes only, and that the content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Further details can be found at www.toyourhealthwithdrg.com slash disclaimer. So again, welcome back, everybody, on this Wednesday. We're talking about this theme of fresh approaches to athletic training. And I'm going to introduce my panel in a second, but I want to hit you guys with a couple a couple stats. Because again, we all want to move. We all want to have, have enjoyment and engagement in our lives with our family and our loved ones. And again, as I said a few moments ago, we don't want to take anything for granted. So we're going to talk about the importance of, of moving, the importance of health, the importance of just staying uh, healthy, and we're going to talk about some of the exercise guidelines put out nationally as well. I'm a statistics kind of guy, I like quoting some statistics. So before I introduce my panel, I want to just hit you guys with a couple of stats as we talk about reframing this conversation with training, but also fitness and engagement. So here we go. National exercise guidelines. Here we go. Someone should work out moderately for 30 minutes five times per week. Now, moderate activity is defined as things like brisk walking, bicycling gently, or even like raking leaves, because here we are in fall, and I know I got some leaves 
in my yard. I gotta, I gotta rake those leaves. Uh, put my kids to work. I can. I think a, a six-year-old and a four-year-old can do that. Um, absolutely. So a moderate exercise again, three thirty minutes, five times per week, and that's moderate intensity. You can also do vigorous exercise, which is defined as things like running, strenuous cycling, or any other activity that significantly increases your heart rate and sweating. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the burdens of inactivity, as I mentioned a few moments ago. Cardiovascular disease, heart attack and stroke, diabetes, um, obesity epidemic, and even certain cancers such as breast cancer and colon cancer being now linked with inactivity. The cost of inactivity, and these are kind of the last couple stats I'll get you and then I'm going to introduce my panel, but the cost of inactivity, $68 billion annually in medical expenses and lost productivity. That's worldwide. But in the U.S., it's $28 billion. So again, $68 billion in costs worldwide, but the USA, $28 billion. And we're talking about lost, lost productivity, um, time away from your family, time away from work. Uh, so again, these are important things. So we want to set that foundation. Because again, what we're trying to do in the show is I'm trying to get you guys the information, leverage me, leverage my network of experts. We're going to really talk about building trust and delivering truth when it comes to your health. So I'm excited to welcome my panel today. Um, this is great. Uh, so I'm going to tell you a little bit of story about, about each person, because why not? Uh, but, but I just want to make sure that, uh, you, again, the, the people that I bring on my show, these are people that are in the trenches. They are, they are certified professionals. They do this because they have a passion. They're not just doing it because of a job and it helps pay the bills. I truly believe the guests that I've had that I have on today, and certainly the guests that I've had on the past, are doing this because they have a passion for helping others. So my first guest, what I want to introduce immediately to my right, Ms. Gina McDonald. Uh, she's a fitness specialist, uh, certified athletic trainer. She's at Good Samaritan Health and Wellness Center. Check her out: www.advocatehealth.com/gsam/fitness. Gina. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, you bet. Uh, so I made the connection with you through a colleague of mine that I know through a local uh, uh, networking group in Plainfield, Illinois. And when I reached out to him and I go, listen, I'm looking for somebody uh, who is who's just amazing at what exercise and, and fitness and encourages her, her clients and everything. He gave me your name. So I was like, all right, we got to make this happen. So welcome to the show. Why don't you give us a little bit about your background? Tell us where you did your training and tell us about this theme today. How does it, how does this theme of, of being, having fresh approaches to training, how does that really sit with you? So I did my undergraduate in athletic training at Lewis University, um, then proceeded to sit for my boards to be certified in athletic training and licensed in Illinois. Um, this theme relates to my current role especially because we are changing and adding new programs for what the population needs. So the things that we're seeing, these epidemics of what happens when we're not moving and staying active, um, we particularly, and I work a lot with those special populations um, in encouraging, motivating them to stay active, keep enjoying it, um, and just to you know, manage or prevent illness. I believe exercise is medicine, um, and it should be a prescription. So we help try and guide those individuals, as well as you know, very elite athletes or um, other populations. So I work with all populations, 
Excellent. Thank you for coming on to the show. My next guest today, uh, I've known her for a long time. Uh, <laughs> we were joking about this off air, like, how long have I known you? But it's been a long time, but, uh, but I'm super happy to welcome her to the show. This is her first time on the show, uh, and I was thinking about you for a while, because I'm like, i got to get a topic to get you on this show, and we got the topic today. But, uh, but, but we've gone back a long time. We've even done some volunteer work together in the community and just trying to, trying to create awareness and engagement, and even trying to work with the next generation of healthcare leaders, so when we become old farts, people can take care of us. So we've got to inspire the next generation. So I'm counting on the young people out there that are watching the show. Uh, when we all get old here on the panel, we're counting on you guys to have learned something and also to take care of us. So I want to welcome to the show, first time here, Ms. Tiffany Crutcher, uh, clinic director, ATI Physical Therapy. Check her out www.atipt.com. Tiffany, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Um, a little background about me is I um, grew up here in the Chicagoland area. I grew up in Bolingbrook. I um, was always involved in athletic sports, things like that. I actually did my undergrad down at SIU in Carbondale where I played basketball. Um, and then I came back up north and went to Northwestern for PT school. I think I initially fell in love with the idea of athletic training and physical therapy with me playing sports in college, kind of watching my teammates, some other athletes get injured, but watching them go through that whole recovery process, being able to have the tools to watch them, you know, go from, you know, will I be able to play again to they actually, a lot of them excelled even beyond what they had before. So whether it was through um, exercise, just kind of the whole mental game of things and just being able to come back and actually be um, in a better position, a better athletes even beyond that. So. Excellent. Well, I'm so happy to have you both here on the show. And really what we're talking about today is, is, is basically establishing your foundation, but your foundation when, when it comes to your health. Yes, I've talked about many times on the show that I want everybody out there to see their primary care doctor at least once a year. Get your physical. And getting your physical, just a friendly reminder, does mean you need to get your labs done too. I have some patients that come in and they might not do labs. They might see me, but I, I can't be. I can't judge what your blood looks like. Got to get those labs. So establishing a relationship with your primary care doctor is almost the, is one of the most important things you can do. But then now we're talking about having an integrative wellness model. So again, leveraging people and other resources and other professionals that can take care of you and help you get to your health goals. So when we have our, our athletic trainers out there and our and our physical therapists, shout out to everybody. Uh, we want to make sure that, that they are part of your team. And they, they can be part of your team very easily. All you do is just ask. And so we're going to talk about some of that stuff. We're going to talk about some of the barriers out there. Because I do truly feel that you guys are an underutilized resource, but such an important resource when it comes to preventing health and other kind of, kind of chronic diseases. So I want to ask the first question to Gina. So here we go. Gina, here we go. First question. What is an athletic trainer? So and then also talk about this, the, the process of certification. Sure. So an athletic trainer um, is often confused with a personal trainer. I think we'll hit on that in a moment. Um, but an athletic trainer is recognized as an allied health professional, which means uh, we're recognized as healthcare providers. So athletic trainers do their uh, education and um, clinical background in prevention of injuries and conditions, um, diagnosis and treating those conditions with different modalities, as well as emergency um, care, providing emergency care, um, and re rehabilitation and reconditioning. Um, athletic trainers work directly under a physician. So um, in the state of Illinois, we're required to have an Illinois licensure to do so. Um, 
And then for minimum requirements for athletic training, um, have to be a bachelor's degree, so four-year bachelor's degree, and graduate from an athletic training program that's accredited. Um, and there's about 300-something in, in the country, but graduate from there, um, then you're eligible to sit for the BOC or the Board of Certification exam. Um, interestingly, they're going to be shifting that a little bit and requiring a master's degree for all athletic trainers moving forward. So some of us will be grandfathered in, which is good. Learned a lot on the there job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so, like, go yeah. back to school, yeah. what? Like, I can't do that right now. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, that in the next few years, um, they're going to stop admitting um, into a bachelor's program or undergrad program for athletic training uh, and just have master's degrees for um, athletic training and then someone can sit for the board. I like how you've really distinguished distinguish between you know an athletic trainer and a personal trainer again one of the messages that I let lead up to the show I put out a video that said hey you know uh, an athletic trainer is not the typical trainer that you see at the gym because it's a completely different thing and so the fact of the, the education and the credentialing that's super important that legitimizes what you're doing to contribute to the healthcare team so so again thank you for offering that perspective because I think a lot of people may not know exactly the role of an athletic trainer and the role can be so diverse after you have your your basic foundation and your certification so thank you for clarifying that uh, Tiffany tell us what is a physical therapist Okay, just like Gina said, um, physical therapists and allied health, health professional, um, we use tools such as manual techniques, exercise, education, modalities to help um, improve function, um, mobility, and just overall quality of life. Um, to be a physical therapist, of course, you have to go through a bachelor's degree program. You can really choose your bachelor's degree in any kind of profession. Um, but then it is a grad level program where it is now. Most programs are shifting to doctoral programs. I'm not sure if there are any left that are uh, master's level programs, but again, those were doctored into master's level program. Um, I did do mine at Northwestern, which is a doctoral level program, which they're all switching to. Um, it is about seven years, but I feel like it's seven years well spent. Um, if you truly have a passion about helping others, then that seven years really flies by. Excellent. So thank you for clarifying this. And again, I want people, uh, the reason why I wanted to ask those questions because I want people to know that, again, we're, we're all about trying to make sure people have the right information. So uh, I want the right resources available. And when you have certified individuals that understand the body, they, they know what they're doing, you know, it's going to make everything better for you to get to your health and wellness goals. So again, super important. Uh, again, we all, we're, we're, we're going to talk a little bit later on about some of the common myths that are out there, some of the barriers that are out there. But it's important to know that when you take about your health, you're navigating the health landscape, you're doing it with the right credential uh, professionals. So here's a question. I want to ask this question. We're talking about fresh approaches, so let's get right into it. I'm a tech person. I love tech. Why not? <laughs> so I'm going to read you a couple stats, and I want to kind of get your, your two uh, commentaries on this. So let's talk about a little bit of the wearable tech stats. So here we go. Um, users by age in the year 2017 in this country, uh, between the ages of 18 and 24, it's about 18% usage of wearable tech. Age 25 to 34, it's almost 34%. That's the most populous group that's using tech. 35 to 44 years old is, is about 25% use of that population is using some sort of tech. And again, it's tech either wearable or even tech with your smartphone. Uh, 45 years old to 54 years old, about 15%. And then 55 to 64 years old, about 8% of the population that's using that. There's no data for people over the age of 65, at least that's, that's publicly available. But we're talking about people in the tens of millions in this country using technology to improve their health. 
and we're looking at hundreds of millions, potentially, or tens of millions more of products that are, that are sold in this country, and of course, billions of dollars of revenue for the organizations, the companies that make them. You know, we have to, we cannot ignore uh, te technology and how we use it. You know, the way how we train now is different than we trained 20 years ago, 40 years ago. So those old techniques are probably eating a raw egg uh, and swallowing that down and try to get some protein so you can gain some muscle mass, that's probably obsolete. So I want to ask Gina this. Uh, you know, given the fact that there's tech, and you know, you have your techniques that you use with your clients, but how do you incorporate new technologies into what you're doing to meet the client's goals? So I would say one of my favorite tools that I can utilize all the time are heart rate monitors. I work a lot with cardiac rehab patients, so I work in phase two with them and then continuing on with phase three and maintenance. Um, so having that, giving a direct number that you know clients or participants can be aware of what's going on inside their body, what they should be shooting for. So we use heart rate monitors tremendously. Um, and those numbers, if you took them just where I work, you'd be surprised that older population, they're pretty with it. All um, right, so we got the 65 plus yeah, population's got some their, gadgets on them. They have their smartwatches right. and chest straps. So <laughs> I would say, yeah, heart rate monitors are um, very utilized where I am, and I appreciate that. Excellent. Mm -hmm. uh, Tiffany, what's your take on how you use some of the newer things? You know, again, people may have, as a, as a professional, you may have, you may approach a certain challenge, a problem one way, but you've had to adapt, and we're trying to talk about some technology stuff here. How do you kind of use tech in what you're doing to help clients reach their goals? Okay, so a lot of times when clients come to me, they have difficulties as something as, you know, I would say as simple as walking. Um, they're trying to improve their activity talents. We're trying to look into things like that. So a lot of times the smartwatches, even your phone, if you don't have a smartwatch, can kind of help track even just set a goal as far as we're going to try to get you walking from 1,000 steps to 2,000 steps to up to the, the, you know, the goal is supposed to be 10,000 steps. Um, that's one way, and I can tell if you know, you say you're increasing your activity, but not all the times you are, but that's something we can pull out and be like, okay, well, you saw yesterday you did this, and let's try to get to this point. Um, there's also um, different apps that kind of help with, if I'm instructing an exercise and things like that, um, ATI actually just launched an app, and what it does is I give a home exercise program, and actually the app actually will show you videos and pictures of us actually doing, uh, a person doing the exercise. So there's no excuse to say, well, I'm not sure, I didn't remember. Um, sometimes looking at a piece of paper is a little harder, but um, there's actually a video that actually shows you kind of how to do the exercise appropriately, and um, we can always circle back, so there's really no excuse. So. Excellent. I, you know, I, I think about from a primary care perspective, things that I do, and, and yes, patients are coming in, the very that sophisticated gadgets, but I can do a kind of a pop quiz on them too. I can see exactly, if I'm listening to their heart, I can, and they're wearing a wearable on their wrist, I can say, hey, let me just tap this real quick. So I look at their Fitbit or their Apple Watch and see how many steps they got. Mm -hmm. And usually most of the time I say, hey, we got to kick it up a little bit. You know, it's three o'clock in the afternoon, and you go, I know you're able body, mind, and soul, you got to walk a little bit more. But, 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 but you're talking about that any part of the body is fair game because with the technology you can do a lot of stuff. Whether it's from things that we're looking at from wearables on your wrist or heart rate monitors as, 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 as Gina said, uh, implantable devices that are there, um, things to help with just like, um, you're, you're, from a physical therapy standpoint, uh, different ga gadgets and contraptions that are out there. So it's important to know that, hey, well, you know, we have to evolve as people, as professionals now. Because again, if you had to say like what, what you did 20 years ago, you'd say maybe that's kind of obsolete. And probably what we're doing now, 
in 10 years from now, we're going to say, you guys did that in 2018. What were you guys on? What were you guys doing? What were you guys thinking? Because it has evolved, so you have to keep pace. And so let me ask you guys this. How do you guys kind of keep up with things? I'll ask you that, this question, Gina. Because technology is advancing and approaches are constantly being refined, how do you, how do you personally keep up with things? Because there's a lot of information that you're tasked to do as a, as a professional. How do you just stay current with things? I would say I'm probably more critical of technology um, in that I try to make sure that I'm weaning out the things that I can trust. Um, we talked about heart rate monitors. Some are more reliable than others. So there are things you kind of have to learn through researching, trying it out, um, you know, asking people, what do you use? What helps you? Do you have an app that you use that helps you um, exercise every day? Or So really just um, looking at it, as there's many resources out there, but also kind of filtering that a little bit too. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then what about you for your today? Do you see any kind of different resources that are out there doing some sort of things? Um, absolutely. Um, again, just how Gina said, like I try to be as involved with my patients, different things. Um, as I realize as I'm getting older, I'm not noticing as many apps and things that are out there. Um, but, you know, I have a very diverse population of clients. so. They'll let me know different things, the certain apps they're using, how they're tracking their nutrition, how they're looking at different exercises. Um, we were talking before the show about Dr. Google, Google and um, I'm always competing with him. Um, but just kind of ways to kind of strategize like fitness or, you know, everyone can diagnose themselves and things like that. Just trying to, again, tease out the right information, but then also just be in the know of what actually is out there. What are people kind of guiding themselves to and such like that? Yeah. And, I, and I think from my role as a physician, you know, uh, trying to study some of the things that you guys are doing, just, I want to just familiarize myself with a lot of things. Because a lot of times being on the front lines, people have a lot of questions. And so, yeah, I, I try to you know, you know, connect with you guys, but also I try to just keep my head in the books when I can, find out which, which information is correct, which information is not correct. And, of course, going to different kind of uh, conferences or seminars to find out how are we looking at things. Because I think about when we look at health in general, all three of us can be looking at a certain condition, but we look at it through a different lens. But we're also trying to solve a problem, make it better for a patient to, to, get, to get back to the prior level of functioning. So let me ask you this question, Gina. Um, in, in general, the, the general public, I, I want to kind of phrase it this way, a lot of times when we think about training and athletic training, it seems like the general public may think it's more, more elitist, like it's something that they can't have access to. What do you think about that? Um, I have to say, don't blame the general public because I think the title in itself, athletic trainer, you would think that this uh, individual or professional works only with athletes. Um, That is not uh, correct. Um, Athletes are one population that we do work with. Um, But as I mentioned before, we work with all populations. Um, And I like how you said, working together to treat the whole person and we're a part of that um, that network um, and ultimately helping patients, clients as best as we can together. So, yeah. Yeah, I think. Uh, what, what's your thoughts, Tiffany? Because again, sometimes I think about how people may 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 get think of some barriers. Like I can't do this, or maybe there's a cost involved, and I don't want to necessarily pay a lot of money. And again, again, we're trying to break down some barriers here. So, how, what's your kind of take on that one about relation to training being more of an elitist thing, but actually, it's really not. Right. Um, That is something, again, like with the title, the whole athletic part. Um, The thing is, we're just trying to promote mobility. I think just telling people more and more because athletic training is really a newer profession. Um, Even fitness is 
relatively a new profession that people before we worked a little bit differently so but now we're more sedentary so actually trying to be more fitness minded but I think just getting out there letting people know that even just getting up and moving um, things as simple as you know when you go to somebody you don't need to call somebody to come out to the car but actually go to the car but just trying to spread information just saying you can turn anything can be a fitness activity um, you don't have to be an athlete we just all want a better quality of life we want to be healthy we want to be around longer so I really just think it's education, you know, as much as we possibly can in every setting, you know, shape and form. So let me ask you a follow-up question. How do you go about how do you go about instructing a client to like find somebody like you, a resource like you? What's the best way for people to do that? Um, definitely, um, people are in all types of settings. We're everywhere. Um, we offer injury screens. Um, I know I'm always keeping my ears to the sky and time I hear anybody say they have this aching pain, a lot of people think they're supposed to live in pain or have aches and that's not the case so I know I can be in the grocery store and I hear somebody talking about something and I may interject um, their conversation and I always carry cards. Just go up into somebody's conversation I, and be like, hey, I just heard you talking you. about how you were hobbling down that aisle. You know what, <laughs> I, I, I kind of am. <laughs> to be honest, um, I have, uh, you know, my son is nine, he's involved in sports and I think people think they're supposed to be hurting or if I see something, I am very big on you know, going up and introducing myself and just saying, you know, if you're not in my area, you can go anywhere for an injury screen. Um, we're not supposed to live in pain. So I definitely do um, communicate that as much as I possibly can. I encourage my current patients to share that information with, you know, their friends, their family, their neighbors, things like that, just to spread the word that, you know, we don't have to live in pain or live in discomfort or be sedentary to have a better quality of life. So, absolutely. You know, you remind me of a story again. I love, I love how you just like, hey, I'm just going to go ahead and get it. Uh, <laughs> when I started in my clinical practice uh, 11 years ago, I was that kind of person. I'm like, hey, I got I to gotta hustle. I got, I got no patients to my name. And so I need to go out and just handle my cards everywhere. And so uh, it just reminds me of that old that story. Now I don't necessarily do that anymore because I think I have a lot of patients uh, and I want some of my other partners to get some get busy with the practice. But I totally get you. But you're right. You're saying this is why you, the, the passion, you know, you're, you're doing this because you, you've been driven to have this and be fulfilled by, by helping out others. Truly, you're doing that. So let me ask you this question, uh, Gina. This question for you. Uh, what can we do as practitioners to better encourage increased physical activity amongst the population at large? Um, I think what we're doing right now is part of that, and that's communicating, working together as a team, and kind of clarifying some of those uh, misconceptions about what different healthcare providers can offer and what kind of resources are out there. So I definitely believe in a team approach. Um, from the physician to the physical therapist to the athletic trainer to a personal trainer. Um, and it, it has to be that way. I feel that's the best way um, to maintain and stay, keep a sedentary life. Uh, I'm sorry, keep an active life and, uh, <laughs> and prevent injury and illness. Um, Excellent. Yeah. Uh, Tiffany, what's your, what's your thoughts on that one? How do you think, what can we do as practitioners to better engage the public in, in taking their health and their activities seriously? Um, this is one example right here. We're just spreading the word, spreading knowledge, things like that. Um, I think um, just the physicians knowing what other disciplines, other um, allied health professionals do. Um, most people do at least follow up with their primary physician, but they don't go beyond that. So just making sure that physicians are aware of kind of what we do. Um, putting, making ourselves available. So, you know, more kids are specializing in being involved in activities and things like that. So just making ourselves available to that, to answer questions, to offer um, 
you know, different workshops, seminars, education, um, whether it's starting as young as in the schools or just kind of working our way up, being in different fitness clubs, just being where people actually are, just being available in the community and kind of sharing all that. So. Thank you. I want to take a moment to acknowledge our sponsor, Good Samaritan Health and Wellness Sponsorship. Uh, Good Samaritan Health and Wellness Center is an award-winning medical fitness center and health club that offers a variety of services to treat the body, mind, and spirit. They provide more than a place to work, work out through a total wellness experience, a complete array of programs, and a professional staff to help you make the most of the fitness experience. The 90,000-square-foot facility in Downers Grove comes complete with three indoor pools, an indoor track, an extensive fitness floor, and weight room. Four group exercise studios, including TRX, spin, Pilates, and group studios, and a basketball court. Specialty services and amenities round out the center's offerings and include clinical services such as nutrition counseling and weight management services, spa services such as massage therapy, a full-service hair salon, body wraps, waxing, and manicures, and personal training services including land and water-based group and private swim lessons in Pilates, Allegro's performer exercises. For more information, check them out at www.advocatehealth.com slash gsam slash fitness. Again, you're listening to us here. We're here live on Facebook. We're also here live in studio at Intellectual Radios. So we're having this great conversation about, again, fresh approaches to athletic training. And so we talked about just a moment ago uh, about, about getting more, encouraging more people to engage in health. So I want to hit you guys with a couple stats because this is uh, important when we're talking about the, 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 the challenge at hand. And then I'm going to ask some questions specifically about some fitness stuff. But here we go. This is from the President's Council on Sports, Fitness, and Nutrition. Only one in three children are physically active every day. You've got to think about that. One in three. Less than 5% of adults participate in 30 minutes of physical activity each day. And only one in three adults receive the recommended amount of physical activity each week. When we talked at the beginning of the show, we're looking at 30 minutes, five times a week of moderate exercise. So we're seeing that only one in three adults hits that target in this country. Only 35% to 44% of adults, 25, I'm sorry, 75 years and older, are physically active. 28 to 34% of adults aged 65 to 74 are physically active. And states where adults are most likely to hit the guidelines in this country, if you live in Vermont, Hawaii, Montana, and Alaska, you're killing it. I love it. I need to go there uh, because you are active. However, if you're living in Delaware, West Virginia, and Alabama, those are the states least likely to hit the guideline goals. And again, we're talking about what does it mean when we're talking about guidelines? We're trying to avoid chronic disease burden. So we're trying to lay down a foundation to move the needle to then, therefore, affect health change. And I think having this kind of conversation is amazing because we're trying to really get people to say, you know what? Hey, you want to do great things. If you're not going to do it for yourself, do it for your family, do it for your loved ones. But yes, I want you to do it for yourself because, again, we value longevity, we value vitality, we value quality of living and healthy lifestyles. And a couple more stats. Nearly one-third of high school students play video or computer games for three hours or more on an average school day. I was thinking back when I was in high school in the mid-90s, was I playing my Nintendo at that time that many, t that many hours a day? I don't think I was. Uh, I think my parents would have told me to stop that and turn that off. But, um, but again, this is some of the challenges that we're dealing with. And only six states in the country require physical education in every grade. Illinois happens to be one of them. But we're talking about ages K through 12, only six states. And so really when we're talking about 
the impact of this. We're already talking about billions of dollars of costs uh, um, picked up by companies and governments, of course. But it turns out this. I found this interesting stat, and I'm going to open it up to the panel again. Being physically active is good for your wallet. And some people are like, hey, my wallet? I I'm listening. So it turns out that it, you can have an estimated $2,500 in annual cost savings on expenses related to cardiovascular disease in those individuals who hit the guidelines versus those that don't. That was published by the American Heart Association in 2016. So now that's just from a cardiovascular standpoint. We're not even looking at other, other medical conditions. It could be substantially higher. So it pays you back to stay active. So I want to ask this question to Gina. How do we address, how do we address some of the barriers in fitness? Let's talk about, you know, we're hearing these stats, one in three children. How do we go about addressing that? What's your thoughts on that, on that kind of statistic? Um, first off, in children specifically, um, yes, technology and games are an issue. Um, and it's not like it used to be before. Um, kids are having fun playing games. They're fully engaged because technology is pretty amazing. But... Um, you know, we need to, I think as parents and as role models, um, lead by example. So spending time together outside, doing something active, um, or just setting guidelines. You can only be on your you know, computer this long. Um, but really, I think leading by example and following through, keeping your kids engaged in that so they can enjoy being active too. It doesn't have to be, you know, a chore or punishment, but making it fun. Tiffany, what's your thoughts on that one? How do we, how do we, how do we break down barriers for our kids? Um, I would totally agree with you. you. need to limit the amount of time that they are spending on those types of activities. Um, I think something as simple as, you know, encouraging them to go outside, but don't call your friend. Go over there and knock on the door. Like, growing up, we rode our bikes to our friend's house, not, you know, knock on their door. Um, parents are very quick to drive their kids and down the street and then call the person and tell them to come outside. <laughs> like, I think something as simple as just you know encouraging play like go outside play with your friends limit the screen time that we have um again be more involved do activities with them um something as simple as i mean establish something as simple as you can walk around the block with your you know your kids something like that um i think because we are you know we're raising these children so we need to try to do our best to be as engaged with them but little things like that i know some people that will call their kid on their phone from upstairs walk upstairs and they're seeing you do that so they're going to do the exact same thing back. Small little changes like that um, will just have us more physically active and things like that. So. Yeah, I think as caregivers we've got to do more. I mean we're trying to affect the next generation and make sure that they have all the resources available for success. I mean you hit the head on the nail. I did a show a couple weeks ago about play, play, play. We want people to just to play. Our kids need to get back to playing. There's so many benefits of playtime that we can do and it's kind of harder to do so in this age where you're so busy, there's you're running around, you have to schedule play dates. Play is supposed to be spontaneous. Yeah. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be engaging. And, 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 and that's you're going to get creative. And we're taking away of that. And one of the challenges that, that's out there that you mentioned, Tiffany, you know, we want to pe have people have these resources. Still, some, re some, some communities do not have those resources. An interesting stat in this country, only one in five homes have parks within a half mile distance from where that home is. One in five homes has it. That's, that's, that's a horrible stat. And only one in five homes in this country have a fitness center or a recreation center within that same half mile distance from that house. So we have a lot of challenges to do as a, as a society to affect change. So let me ask you another question. So I'm gonna ask you this one, uh, Gina. Going back to these barriers, 
So we talk about the children, some of the adolescents. What do you do about barriers to adults? Things that, are, that, that affect adults, their, ability, their inability sometimes to stay active. What's your approach to helping break down those kind of barriers? Well, first I want to just validate that they exist. Um, the physical resources aren't there for everybody, whether that be a facility um, or financially. So um, here's where we can use technology in a good way um, and look up some exercises that you can do. You don't have to have a facility. It does help, maybe. But if you're really passionate about it, you want to get moving, any movement is better than none. And then looking at facilities, if you had something you know, you did have to drive to, I encourage people, a lot of these facilities will help out financially because a lot of us are passionate about helping people and making it accessible. So I encourage anyone who's you know, feeling that way to reach out for help because it is out there. Um, and, and I think you'll be surprised how we do try to make it, I think, as a whole, the industry most of the industry makes it, uh, wants it to be accessible for everyone. Tiffany, tell me a little bit about what ATI is doing to help reach out to people. Uh, I, know, I know you and I have talked before, uh, your company can actually help pick people up and then bring them to a clinic for, uh, for engagement. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, actually two things. So, we do offer a ride service for patients. So, a lot of times we'll get people with injuries or different illnesses or things where they require physical therapy, but their limitation is they need require another family member to bring them in. That family member is too busy, they don't have time, they don't come. So we do offer a free service um, at all of our clinics where we will actually go pick you up, you'll do your therapy and then drop you off at home. Something as simple as even like um, kids that need to come with their parents or at work, we will go pick them up from school, let them do their therapy, then drop them back off at home, which is kind of nice that you know, a lot of parents, because, you know, we're all busy, you know, that's our, everybody's busy. So just being able to have that availability to be able to come pick people up and things like that. Um, another service we offer is a lot of times it's scary. After you've had an injury or you've been in therapy for some sort of reason, um, we tell you, you know, we try to, the goal of therapy is to get you as independent so you can continue this trend, you know, you shouldn't be with your physical therapist for the rest of your life. Um, we offer some, we, something we call a step-down program. So sometimes you're afraid to go, you don't, you feel like you don't know what to do at a gym, you know, you're in therapy, you're in this nice controlled environment. So then we send you off to a gym and you're like, okay, it's overwhelming, I don't know what to do. We do offer a step-down program. So what that program is, of course you're done with therapy, but you can still come in. We will write a program up for you. Um, it's a small fee each month, but we don't do the hands-on stuff, but we kind of guide you. You can use our facility, you know, just like a gym where you can come in anytime we're open. You can use the program that we make up for you, um, or you can kind of do your own thing. The biggest goal is just to kind of continue moving. We have some people that come maybe for a month, and then they feel comfortable enough going to a gym or doing their own thing. We have some people that come, and they just feel like kind of that small environment. They can ask us questions. Um, things like that, some people that go and then come back, um, but it's just a nice service that we offer to encourage movement, and even if that big gym facility um, seems too scary, um, we're available for you. I like how you're really talking about individualizing an approach to somebody. It can be as hands-on as you want to be, or it can even be a little hands-off, but still have the effectiveness of this, and this is how good we've had to modify you know, back in the day where there wasn't maybe a lot of technology, you know, you couldn't do that kind of stuff. You always had to be hands-on, but now there's so many things that you can, you can check in with people. Uh, I know from a, from a clinical standpoint, we've got video visits, you know, and there's going to be in the office. So, so you're, you're talking about ways to really tailor it to that person, and let, hopefully that person continues to have success. So I want to ask you this question. Um, I'm going to ask this one to Gina. 
how much time goes into a prep session? Because again, we're talking about you know uh, again of these approaches to athletic training, and I want people to understand uh, uh, the work that you guys do, the value of things. So, say you're going to work with a particular client, how much pre-work do you need to do before that client comes in? Um, quite a bit because we want to know what they're coming from. So, what's their background? physically, what kind of medical conditions, and this is a, an important part where we can partner with the primary care physician to get some information clinically or with the physical therapist if they're coming from therapy and transitioning over to like a health club setting. Um, so I make sure I have all information before we start a physical um, routine or before we start a workout so that I can know limitations and that I can modify anything as needed. Um, so I, I, I have a plan in place before I try to talk to the client on, on the phone if I can't meet them in person to ask them some of these questions. Tiffany, how much prep time do you do before you see a particular client? Um, you know, I think I'm constantly prepping. I'm there before everybody is in the morning just trying to kind of get my head wrapped around things. Um, you know, it's a constant stream of, we always have a plan in place, but, you know, things change and people come in. So I think it's an ever-changing plan, but I think just kind of staying up with continued education, knowing what's, you know, what's out there, what's available, um, actively listening to your patients um, to make sure we're meeting their needs. Um, I think it's all, we're always preparing for something. We're always adjusting, always modifying. So I don't think, really think it ever stops. Um, we're just trying to do it as best we can, you know, and modify it as kind of their session goes. So. Yeah, I do. A, I try to do a lot of prep time from a physician's standpoint. Yes, I, I need to make sure I get the buck stops with me kind of thing, and I, and I accept that. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of prep time going into this because we want people to be as successful as possible. So that's what you're, you both are really talking about. I want to ask you this question. I'll ask you a follow-up question, Tiffany. What is the most rewarding part of your job? You know, we're talking here about, you know, you both are here today, uh, uh, Tiffany and Gina, talking about the passion of what you do, the purpose, the fulfillment. What's the most rewarding part of your job? Definitely the most rewarding is you see someone that comes in, whether they have an injury or, you know, doesn't matter the age, but they come in with an injury, they feel like the world has ended. They can't move, nothing is going right, whether they can't work, they can't do their sports, they can't play with their kids, something as simple as that. And I have the ability to give them the tools and use the skills that I've learned and share that with them to watch them progress from barely able to move to kind of going back to where they were and sometimes even excelling beyond that. It's really rewarding to see there's the, kind of their overall quality of life improve, their function, mobility, but then also when it clicks, when they get it, and they're like, you know, I can do this on my own, and I see them spreading the word to help others do that also. So it's really rewarding just kind of watching that whole progression. What about you, Gina? What's the most rewarding part of your job? Uh, very similar. It's um, humbling to be a part of the process, um, especially when it comes to rehab. For example, cardiac rehab. Um, these patients come in, uh, and that's a tough time, physically, emotionally. So being a part of that and just you know being vulnerable with the patient and connecting with them to be a part of their improvement is the most rewarding feeling. So that's why I do it. And I think there are some innate vulnerabilities when we talk about people's health and some of the things that you go through because everybody handles something potentially a different way. And, and my kind of approach is, you know, I would say PMA, positive mental attitude. We're going to try to get through this together, and then hopefully those vulnerabilities can make that person, uh, therefore, just, just, just emerge victorious. Uh, uh, just, just the resolve that they have and then the empowerment that they can do other things with their health and their lifestyle. So I love talking about this thing. Let me ask you a flip side question. I'll ask you this one, Gina, back at you. What's the most frustrating part about your job? 
if you're allowed to say it. Yes. Well, <laughs> I think it's probably uh, universal, um, or a lot of healthcare professionals would understand that the insurance can be a frustrating um, barrier sometimes to activity, to uh, rehab, physical therapy, to you know your providers that you're you're going to. So um, that can be frustrating. And it's something where, you know, it is hard when somebody is so motivated. They want to continue. They want to make it work. Um, but insurance maybe won't pay for those extra sessions of uh, cardiac rehab, for example. So then on the flip side, though, is that we do have such a range of care in, um, in the health center that we can continue those patients on an individual um, regimen and work with them pretty closely to correlate. We work very closely with all um, practices and departments in the hospital too. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Tiffany, what's the uh, most frustrating part of uh, your job? Um, I have two frustrations. One goes right along with insurance. Um, I think a misconception is that like physical therapists, we want to get you back like 100, 110%. Physicians want you to get back 100, 110%. Um, insurance companies aren't really that concerned about that. Um, I think a big misconception is that, you know, if my doctor says I can continue and you want me to continue, the insurance company unfortunately kind of trumps all that. Um, if I feel like I need you to get to this point, they can, your doctor feels like that, then they can shut you down and be like, you know, you have half the amount of time. And that's a very big frustration. Just trying to communicate that, that I don't really want to get rid of you. We are want to all be on the same page. I want you actually feeling better than what you were. So that is a big frustration. I know that's a work in progress and we try to adjust um, and stretch out business as much as we can. We try to do a lot of education and things like that. Um, but that's probably one of my biggest frustrations. And the other, like I mentioned before, is Dr. Google. Um, I sometimes feel like I have Who's to, Dr. Google? Uh, I'm just yes. <laughs> Plus, like, he's everywhere. Who's that Dr. Google? Getting <laughs> all the wrong information. Like, go exactly. ahead, please. Continue. The thing is, um, the information is out there, which is a wonderful thing. But sometimes people have been injured for a while because they've tried to fix themselves um, or their neighbor had this or somebody had this and they're going to tell you. So I almost feel like at times I'm trying to prove that I know what I'm talking about and that I can help you along that process. Um, you might need to stop Googling and stop doing <laughs> certain things that, you know, we're on the same page. We're just trying to get them to understand that it's not, every person's a little bit different. There's so much information out there. It's hard to tease out what information is. I do try to educate them and steer them in the right direction that they are Googling things, but just trying to, I don't want to spend half the time trying to prove to you that I know what I'm talking about to get you there. Let's just, you know, get there together and not kind of bump heads and things like That's that. That's what we're all about here on To Your Health with Dr. G, building that trust and delivering the truth the right way. But this is a good segue. I think you read my minutes ahead of time. Uh, no, this is a good segue. We're talking about Dr. Google and, and some of the falsehoods, the blatant falsehoods that are out there. But this is a perfect segue into fresh approaches to athletic training, myths versus facts. So a number of months ago, I, I decided on the show that every week I'm going to break down myths versus facts. Because, again, we're trying to navigate the complexities of your own health. And, again, we want people to have the right information from the right resources all the time. So I've got some statements and so I'm going to ask this to the panel, and they're either going to say myth or fact, and maybe give like a few sentences why uh, it's either myth or fact. So the first statement goes to Gina. Here we go. <clears throat> All trainers have six-pack abs. Definitely a myth. <laughs> um, elite athletes might have six-pack abs, 
but um, those who are training for that, um, Godspeed. But those of us that are staying active to be well uh, probably don't look like that. So. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right. I agree. Uh, I definitely don't have any. All right, so here we go. Next statement. Uh, this is for Tiffany. Physical therapy is painful. Oh. oh, I hear that all the time. I hear that I am pain and torture. That's definitely, I can say there's some truth. It's also, it's a fact and myth. Um, typically, if you're injured, you're coming in with some sort of discomfort. Um, there is some discomfort that goes along the way, but it's not supposed to be painful and hurt you. It's supposed to kind of just guide you in the right direction. So, yeah, you may have to work a little harder on things that are more challenging and tiring and things like that. But ultimately, we're not trying to hurt you. We're trying to get you better. So sometimes there's a little discomfort to kind of get and cross the finish line and go where you need to go. So. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Next question for our next statement. These aren't questions. Next <laughs> statement for Gina. Here we go. Athletic training is very costly. What's your thoughts on that? There are groups advocating for making athletic trainers more um, available, such as being re reimbursed for our services through insurance. So that's a work in progress. Um, there are some services that do get reimbursed through insurance. Um, otherwise, when you're talking on that standpoint, you'd probably be looking at having an athletic trainer personal train you. So to work on work with you one-on-one, -on -one, um, and with that, every facility and every professional varies based on their background and specialties and um, really personal training. Uh, it would be at a personal training rate. So that does vary, like I said, everywhere. Okay. Uh, next statement for Tiffany. Here we go. Physical therapy is only for injuries and accidents. Um, I would definitely say false. Um, there are different disease processes that we have. Um, that we need to just improve our, just to be able to function, to perform our normal, you know, activities of daily living. Can I get dressed? Can I cook? Can I prepare a meal? And sometimes you're so deconditioned that you need to just kind of learn how to be able to transfer, learn how to get up, just learn how to move again. So you don't have to be injured. You could have an illness. You could have had, you know, a lifestyle change or anything like that. Um, really just to kind of help you get going. You don't have to be injured to see a physical therapist. Okay. Here's the next statement for Gina. Here we go. <coughs> Uh, let's do this one. I thought of one. I'm like, eh, I don't want to do that. Let's do this one. I got it all written down. Here we go. Uh, here we go. Trainers love to see you in pain. So my question to you is what kind of trainer? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. I like that. Answer a question with a question. I like that. Um, yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because you think about like, oh my gosh, and that's maybe an old mindset. To get a benefit, you have to be grunting it out and, and gr grinding your teeth and gritting your teeth and, and getting a benefit that way to make a difference. But, you know, exercise and being engaged doesn't have to involve pain. Yeah. And I take an approach that if it is pain and punishment, probably should find another way because we don't stick with that. If it's not enjoyable and it feels like punishment, who wants to continue that? <laughs> so um, I take the approach of making it enjoyable and suggesting, you know, even outside of a facility, doing things outside that you like, where you're, you're moving and it doesn't feel like you are, you know, dancing, things like that, making it enjoyable, we're more apt to stick with it and make it part of our lifestyle. Thank you. Tiffany, here we go. Myth versus fact. I need a physician's referral to see a physical therapist. That is no longer a fact, That's which no is longer. awesome. Um, now, um, Illinois just became a direct access state, so we are now able to see um, 
clients, patients, right off the street. You can come on in and we can get you going right away. Um, before it wasn't like that, but now we can actually see you. And if things feel like you're not progressing, we can refer you to the right physician, but we can start right off the bat and get you going. So. Thank you. We'll do one more each for both of you. Here we go. Gina, a perfect workout is one hour long. That is a myth. <laughs> um, Correct. <laughs> absolutely. It's really not about the time. Sometimes people will still ask. I mean, it's out there. People will say, well, how long should I lift weights? And it's like, well, it's more about the content. So more about what you're doing, your form, how you're doing these things, and being active just in general. So you can get a great workout in in 10 minutes. We need 10 minutes in a heart rate range, for, exa for example, in our exertional heart rate range to seek those benefits of cardiovascular um, wellness and, and, and health. So we can break that 150 minutes down anyway. 10 minutes is the minimum amount of time that we need to get that heart rate up and be in that range. So you can do it in as little as 10. Right. And I love how you're talking about just you're making it, make it personal. Um, make, make, make it, just do something that you love to do and just keep doing it. Uh, and that's where we're talking about the passion and the purpose of everything. Last statement for Tiffany. Here we go. Myth versus fact. <clears throat> I can do physical therapy myself. That's the statement. <laughs> I can do it myself. Um, myth. You can do activity. You can do exercise. You can walk. You are not actually that. Those are components of physical therapy. But to me, you need to see a healthcare professional to guide you and do the right thing. <laughs> so, um, big myth. Uh, thank you. All right, well, we have about five minutes left, so this has been some really engaging discussion, uh, and I'm so glad to have had you both on the show and talking about ways to approach training, uh, but, but we're also just really giving a broader message of just engagement for everybody that's out there as they continue to try to have success in their life and in their health. So I want to wrap this up. So I'm going to say this for the uh, last couple of minutes. I want you guys to kind of give me kind of just a take-home points, and here's kind of the, the, the question, uh, and I'll just want to Tiffany first. What are three key take-home points for clients or patients out there to be successful when it comes to just staying active, exercise, uh, training, whatnot? But what are just some take-home points that you have for, for our listeners today? Um, the first point is just get moving. Just get moving, whether it's parking at the end of, you know, in the back of the parking lot, taking the stairs, playing with your kids, things like that. Um, also, listen to your body. So if you do start a program and you feel like things, um, something's not quite right, things are not supposed to hurt, um, listen to your body and do something about it. And then lastly, if something does seem to seem not, doesn't seem right, we offer free injury screens. You can come and you can touch base with us. We can refer you to the right people. Um, we don't have to live in pain. So it's we want to be active, we want to move, but we don't have to be in pain. So we tie it all together. Thank you. And uh, Gina, three take-home points or a couple take-home points for our listeners out there that are listening to the program today. Yeah, so first I think it's very important to recognize your resources. Um, we're here just describing what we can do for you. Healthcare providers are out there for your well-being. So reaching out to your resources, talking to your primary care doctor, and being open and transparent with that individual. Most of us, I believe, will be this will reflect that right back to you. So I think creating that piece of comfort, know that you have support in your journey, um, and nobody's perfect, so just addressing things is the first step. Um, and then secondly, I would try to not look at exercise as a punishment or as, you know, um, a chore. 
It most certainly doesn't have to be. So, like you said before, individualized. Everybody enjoys different things. Seeking out different classes. There are classes even libraries have free classes. So seek out these resources because they, they are out there too. Excellent. And my kind of take on bunch of the following. You know, us here as professionals on this panel, you know, we've had our lives change to get into this industry. And it's our really goal to spread that passion. And what we're talking about today is really at the forefront, forefront of preventive care. You know, we're experts that are taking the time to study our craft and to teach others not only just to do something new every day, but we're trying to teach you how to do something better. And when you do that better, you're going to be more fulfilled in your life. You're going to have success to come forever and ever. So again, I want to thank my guests today. Uh, Gina McDonald, fitness specialist, Good Samaritan Health and Wellness Center. Check her out at www.advocatehealth.com slash gsam slash fitness. Also, Tiffany Crutcher, clinic director, ATI Physical Therapy. Check her out at www.atipt.com. I want to thank my goal level sponsor, Good Samaritan Health and Wellness Center, www.advocatehealth.com slash gsam slash fitness. Next week on the show, we're going to be talking about concussions. What do we know? And what can we do about them? Remember, check me out on my website, www.drmarkgomez.com. Catch you guys later. Peace out.